Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. I hope you all are doing good. I hope you're safe. I hope you are healthy. Social distancing, self-quarantining, all of those things. I know personally, I have not left my house in over a week, but self-quarantining or not, that is usually the circumstance. So with that being said, As you can tell by the title of today's episode, we are talking about the disappearance and unsolved case of Heather Teague. Heather was 23 years old when she went missing on August 26th, 1995 from Kentucky. Before we jump on into it today, I wanted to go back and talk to you guys about some of the theories y'all came up with for the Evelyn Boswell case that we covered last week. Just as a reminder, as always, you can always send in your theories or questions or comments or anything you have to say about these cases to my podcast email. That is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Whatever you have to say is always kept anonymous, so don't even worry about that. So the first theory that we're going to talk about is someone who sent in an email saying, I just finished the Evelyn Boswell case and I have a lot of questions about it, but I also have a theory. What if the grandfather genuinely had nothing to do with it and Megan did do something to hurt or kill Evelyn and just placed her there for either revenge on reporting Evelyn missing or because it was such big property and she just assumed that nobody would ever find her in there. Or what if the grandfather did have something to do with it, but didn't know Evelyn was placed on his property and that's why he's keeping his mouth shut now that it has come out and she was found there. End quote. Again, yeah, I think that that is extremely possible. I think this whole family has shadiness written all over them. Next comment says, quote, she a thousand percent lied to her dad and said the baby was with someone else, likely her biological dad. When she was gone for weeks and her dad kept asking when she was coming home, he probably figured out she was lying and called Angela, who didn't have the baby either, and that's when he called the police. He obviously cared about his kids to file custody. I don't think he would have anything to do with it, end quote. I 100% agree with the fact that I think he does care about his kids, and I hadn't thought about that before, the fact that she Megan could have said, oh, you know, like she's either with Angela or with Ethan Perry, her biological father. There's plenty of different things that she could have told him in order to kind of get him off of her back as far as him asking where Evelyn was. The only thing is, is why was she found on his property is my only thing. And that could mean he had nothing to do with it. And Evelyn just so happened to be placed there to frame him. I think that's a huge possibility. Or there could be something more going on there. It's just super important to leave no stone left unturned. Someone also said, quote, maybe Megan killed Evelyn and Tommy Sr., which is uh, Megan's father, really didn't know. Just like Casey Anthony, she kept giving her family and friends the same story she was with the babysitter. If Tommy Sr. and Angela don't talk because of bad relations, then he would believe Evelyn was with her grandma. I don't know. Trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, end quote. And I agree. This basically just piggybacks onto what I just said, where, you know, he could have had absolutely nothing to do with it. That's what happened with Casey Anthony, is that her parents really did didn't know. She kept telling them the same story over and over and over again until she couldn't lie anymore. She ran out of lies. So that definitely could have happened in this situation as well. And then the last theory that we are going to talk about is someone said, quote, Maggie was even said by a friend of the family to wet the bed out of fear when police searched the house. Why is she so panicked? And why did Maggie, Maggie meaning Megan, that's her nickname, why did all Maggie want to do when her child was missing is sleep? That is the absolute last thing that I want to do if my child was missing. There is something off about Maggie, end quote. So if you guys have not listened to the case that we did on Evelyn Boswell last week, definitely go check it 
it out after you listen to this one today. And with that being said, let's just jump right on into today's case. Heather Teague was born on April 25th, 1972. She has brown hair and green eyes and stood at about five foot two at the time of her disappearance. Like I said, Heather was just 23 years old when she went missing on August 26th, 1995 from Spotsville, Kentucky. So throughout all of my research, it was really difficult for me to find anything about Heather's personality or who she was at home or what she liked to do, her favorite things, her friends, anything like that, which is really upsetting. I like to, you know, kind of be able to put a personality to the person. It just, for me, makes them be portrayed as more than just their case. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to find anything like that on Heather. So we are just going to jump right to August 26th, 1995. So what makes Heather's case really unique from a lot of other cases we have seen before is there was actually an eyewitness who claims to have seen Heather being abducted in its entirety. So let's break it down. So this witness is a man named Timothy Walthall. So the brief version of what Timothy recalls happening, and we'll get to the detailed version in the 911 call um, later in the episode, but what Timothy in the vague version first recalls is that Heather was sunbathing on the Newburgh Beach in Henderson County, Kentucky, which is right on the Ohio River. Now, Heather was not with anyone. She was just by herself. Timothy says that he was looking through his telescope across the river. So, Timothy lives across the river from where Heather was sunbathing, and he was looking through his telescope and was able to watch this entire abduction play out, which is just really, you never really hear of that, especially through a telescope. Timothy said that while he was looking through his telescope, he saw a man approach Heather, grab her by her hair, and drag her into the woods off of Newburgh Beach at gunpoint. Timothy described this man as white, having brown hair and a brown beard, standing at about six feet tall and weighing anywhere from 210 to 230 pounds. Timothy also described the abductor as wearing jeans and no t-shirt. After the 911 call, was placed, authorities arrived at Newburgh Beach and that is where they began their search. They started searching all throughout the beach and the woods and the only thing that they were able to find was part of Heather's bathing suit. It was a red plaid bathing suit and part of it was found from the abduction site and that was the only piece of evidence that they were able to find and since then, Heather has never been seen or heard from. So there actually was another witness that came forward and claimed that they saw Heather's car, which was in the parking lot of the beach, parked next to a red and white colored Ford Bronco. Now this car belonged to a man named Marvin Dill, who also goes by the name Marty. Marty was actually pulled over during a traffic stop by the police right after Heather's disappearance. And because of the tip that police had about him being the same car parked next to Heather's, they ended up searching searching Marvin's car and they found a decent amount of stuff in Marvin's car. They found guns, rope, knives, rubber gloves, duct tape, and a hair in the car the police believed looked close to Heather's. Heather had brownish blackish hair. The hair that was found in Marvin's car was a similar color. So because Timothy claimed that he basically saw the entire abduction, he was the one that helped police come up with a composite sketch. And this composite sketch looked extremely, extremely similar to what Marvin Dill looked like. But police did not 
arrest him when they pulled him over and searched his car and in fact they actually let him go and over the next few days after heather's abduction police said they received multiple phone tips that pointed to marvin so police decided to go to his house and ask him some questions when marvin found out that the police were coming to his home to ask him questions about heather's disappearance marvin actually committed suicide so he ended up shooting himself in the head before authorities were able to get to his house so by the time police showed up at his home he was already dead according to heather's mom sarah teague she said that because of the way the investigation was lined up and how everything was playing out she said she really had no other choice at that point but to believe that marvin was the one responsible for heather's disappearance that's just kind of the picture that authorities were painting is that marvin was the one that was responsible for this but the thing that contradicts this whole situation is the fact that according to marvin's family and friends they say that during the time of heather's abduction marvin actually had a bald head and had no beard he was completely clean shaven which really contradicts timothy's story because timothy said that the person who abducted heather had brown shaggy hair and a brown beard now keep in mind all of this is happening within five days of heather's disappearance so things were moving pretty quickly sarah said that that also played a factor into her believing what she was being told about marvin being responsible is because it was moving so fast paced by day five they were pinning it on marvin and sarah said that that was just all she really had to go off of and ever since heather's abduction sarah wanted to listen to the 911 call that was made from timothy she had told police time after time how she wanted to hear this 911 call and hear what was being said but police for whatever reason would not let her hear this which was extremely frustrating for her because she says that you know 911 calls are public records and they're released all the time and sarah is heather's mother so of course she wants to hear what's being said so it does kind of make you wonder why police were so hesitant to allowing her to hear the 911 call was it that there was something that she didn't know or that wasn't being said was it something that would hinder the investigation and they wanted to keep private so they could follow up on it it definitely leaves you kind of with a lot of questions as to why they wouldn't allow it but in 2008 which was 13 years later mind you 13 years they finally allowed sarah to hear this 911 call police allowed sarah as well as sarah's lawyer to listen to this 911 call in 2008 only once and then once again in 2016 eight years later now what's interesting about this is that sarah as well as her lawyer are both convinced that the call that they listened to in 2008 was not the same call that they got to listen to in 2016 meaning that there were two different calls that were shown to sarah as well as her lawyer sarah says that the call that she heard in 2008 was short and she only heard the caller describing what the abductor had looked like then in 2016 the call didn't include any statement about the abductor's appearance and so one of them it was just strictly based off of the abductor's appearance and the second one had nothing to do with that at all and there was no mention of it so it does make you think were the police trying to hide something in the 2008 phone call and they only let her listen to bits and pieces of it or were they two completely different phone calls like what is going on here but despite all of this the 911 call has actually recently been released to the public and if you guys go onto youtube and you look up timothy walthall 911 call you will be able to listen to the whole thing. It's about eight and a half minutes. 
In this call, Timothy says that he was about to sit down and eat when he decided to do a quick scan of the beach through his telescope. Like I said, he lived across where Heather was laying down and sunbathing, so he lived on the other side of the river. So he said he just wanted to do a quick scan of the beach, and he said that when he did that, he saw Heather, who was laying face down sunbathing, when a man ran out of the woods, which is near the beach, and grabbed Heather by the back of her head, by her hair, and lifted her up. Timothy said that the man dragged her into the woods, and Timothy waited 25 minutes before calling the authorities, thinking maybe Heather would come back to her belongings that were still left on the beach, but she never did. Timothy said that when the man was approaching Heather, he saw him carrying what looked to be a revolver gun in his hand, and he remembers that because it was glistening in the sun. Timothy also said that during the time that this had happened, there was only one other group of people on the beach with Heather, but they were on the opposite side. So Heather was like on the far left, and this other group of people was on the far right of the beach. I really encourage you to go listen to that 911 call if you're interested, because I really want to know what you guys have to th- say about it. We're going to get into it as we keep going and theories and all of that, but I am interested to see what you guys have to say. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. So now we have a new suspect who comes in to the picture, and this suspect's name is Christopher Bello. Now, Christopher actually lived in Henderson County at the time of Heather's abduction, and like I said earlier, Newburgh Beach is located in Henderson County, but weirdly enough, shortly after Heather went missing, Christopher actually left Kentucky. He literally just up and left, and it's been said that Marvin, Christopher, and Heather do share some acquaintances. Now, I was not able to officially confirm that. However, I did read it on multiple sources, so I thought it was worth mentioning to you guys. So, the reason that Christopher is a possible suspect in this is not only, like I said, did he live in Henderson County during the time that this happened, but Christopher has confessed and pled guilty to attempted involuntary manslaughter against a woman named Catherine Fetzer in 1991 and is serving a sentence of 11 to 18 years for that charge. Catherine's body has never been found. He is also considered a possible suspect in the disappearances of three other women named Mary Cushto, Shailene Farrell, and Christina Porso. Even though Christopher is a potential suspect in this, Christopher has adamantly denied that he has any involvement in Heather's case. Investigators believe that Christopher may have targeted and attacked other women who have similar physical features to Catherine Fetzer, and Catherine and Heather both have long dark hair and are similar in height and weight. 
Authorities also believe that they have circumstantial evidence that ties Christopher to Heather's disappearance. However, as we know, you can't make a conviction solely based off of circumstantial evidence. Christopher has been in jail since 2003, and he's actually supposed to be released in 2021, which is kind of scary, but he is set to be released in 2021. So let's run through theories. So we have the theory that Christopher Bello is responsible for Heather's disappearance. Then we have the theory that Marvin Dill was actually responsible for Heather's disappearance. But there is another theory I want to touch on, and I want to touch on the theory that Timothy Walthall, the man who called 911, is responsible for Heather's abduction. A lot of people believe that the likelihood of him looking into his telescope right at the time that Heather went missing is a little hard to believe. The fact that he just said he wanted to do a quick scan of the beach, you know, a lot of people have said it's kind of like a peeping Tom type thing. I don't know about that, but it is a little ironic, I guess you could say, or coincidental that he looked into his telescope right at the time that Heather was reportedly being abducted. Now, if he did and he was the only one to see all of this, that's amazing. And that is that's just like a one in a million type of thing. But at the same time, you really kind of got to look like, like we always say here, no stone left unturned. I might as well get it tattooed on me by this point. A lot of people don't like the fact that Timothy waited 20 or 25 minutes before calling the authorities to report Heather missing. And he was also very present in the investigation. When Sarah Heather's mom was called to the police station, he would often be there as well, just to kind of hang out and see what the authorities had to say to Sarah, as well as just the entire investigation in general. And after making the 911 call, he did drive his boat across the river to meet authorities after he placed the call. And I guess that's my one hang up about this is, you know, he's living across the river where Heather was last seen, you know, and if he was responsible, how did he get over there? What was his timeline? What did that all look like if we're following that trail? You know, did he see Heather through his telescope and decide to just act on it and just went for it and drove his boat over if that was the case or he drove over by car? I don't really know how that would have worked. But you know, we also have seen plenty of people who are responsible for abductions and murders who like to place themselves into the investigation. They like to know what's going on. They like to be really in it. So that, it just kind of throws me off. But at the same time, it could go either way. He could either be someone who just really wants to know and is innocent and he saw this all play out and he wants to offer help in whatever way that he can, or he knows more than he is saying that he knows and wants to insert himself into the investigation as some sort of sick game. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that one. It really, it just, let me know what you guys think. So in 2007, Sarah, Heather's mother, had to leave declare Heather as dead in order to fulfill the requirements needed to get the FBI's investigation file on Heather's case. After declaring her dead, she was able to receive all of those files and they included hundreds of pages of reports and different leads. And I do want to point out that the police have denied any claims that the 911 calls that Sarah had been shown were two different calls. They claim that they were entirely the same calls. So that leads me to wonder if they were just picking bits and pieces to show Sarah because then they could be like, oh yeah, they were off of the same phone call. It was the same phone call because technically the bits and pieces that were shown were from the same phone call, so they weren't necessarily lying. I don't see why Sarah would have any reason to lie about that. That's the one thing that I keep going back to is what does she gain off of lying from that? But let me know what you guys think about that. So that is really all we have to go off of on this case. It's confusing, it's frustrating, and it is still uncertain 
solved. Sarah has been adamant on the fact that she will not give up until justice is served for her daughter. I guess my questions in this case are, you know, did Heather have any known enemies? Did anyone know that Heather was going to the beach that day? Did she have a possible stalker? Did she have an ex-boyfriend? Was Who was her friends? Like, you know, just different things like that, which in the research that I did, I was not able to find, you know, no one said, you know, she had this crazy ex-boyfriend or this stalker or this girl who hated her. She hung out with the wrong crowd. I wasn't really able to find any information like that. One thing that I did find though that I thought was interesting were people were saying that maybe this was a police cover-up, whether the police were involved in this case in some way or if they are covering up for someone that they know. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about and there's endless lists of questions in this case, which is why I really want you guys to think about this one and just kind of like sit with it because I've been sitting with it and I can't figure it out. I am just, my mind is in a hundred different places with this one. I do think it's a possibility that the person who's responsible for this is no one that we named today. I think it's a possibility that, like I said, it was someone in her world that we just haven't been introduced to yet. My one thing with Christopher Bello is I do question if he's just denying involvement in Heather's case because he doesn't want to get convicted and charged and put in jail for longer than he already has been. Like I said, he's been in there since 2003. He's supposed to get out next year. So it's not like he's on death row and has nothing to lose at this point. It's basically like he knows he's getting out. So by saying, oh yes, I was involved, he would be adding years onto his sentence. So I definitely see the motive of him denying it because sometimes with a lot of murderers who are in prison, if they're on death row, it's kind of like, well, you have nothing to lose at this point. You might as well just say you did it. But I can see the motive as to why he would want to say that he did not. I'm curious to wonder what those possible acquaintances, like the mutual acquaintances that Marvin, Christopher, and Heather share. Like I said, we haven't really been introduced to her world and what type of people she hangs out with. So there could be a whole other piece to this that we are just missing. So with that all being said, let me know what you guys think. I don't really know where I stand on this one. I think it could have been anyone. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Christopher. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it was Marvin or Timothy or another person that we haven't even talked about yet. So let me know what you guys think. You can email me, like I said in the beginning, at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. We will go over your theories next week. And with that being said, that is all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope I was able to distract you a little bit from what's been going on in the outside world. I hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and remembering that there will be a light to the end of this tunnel, I promise. So with that being said, I will see you guys next week for a brand new episode of Killer Instinct. And until then, stay safe, guys.